Well, fear is an enemy of the Christian. And in this culture, it seems that fear grips us from every side. We hear stories all of the time about terrorism. Apparently, leaders of two major countries have nuclear buttons on their desk, if you believe that kind of thing. But it's a scary world. And if you bring it into a personal kind of a way, we fear all kinds of things. We fear not being accepted. We fear crippling financial debt that we don't think will ever leave us alone. We fear illness. We fear death. We fear for our children. We fear that we will never be accepted or that we will never meet the expectations of all those people around us. It's fear, it's anxiety, and it steals our joy. Fear can literally eat us alive inside. And so this morning we're going to look at a family that was literally paralyzed by fear. You had one son that had already disappeared. You had a son in chains in Egypt. And you had a younger son that a father did not want to let go of. Everyone was paralyzed by fear. But what we will see happen this morning is when one man walks out and with just a little bit of faith, a log jam is broken. Healing begins to happen. A family begins to come together. And more importantly, the pathway is made to Messiah coming in to the world because of a man that walked by faith. And so this morning, I want you to know that fear doesn't have to cripple you. It doesn't have to be an enemy that hangs over you. You can defeat fear. You can overcome fear when we walk in faith. Now, as you know, we've been in this narrative of Joseph. We took a break for the Advent season and what I want to start with this morning is kind of a strange subline. But as all of this darkness descended on the family and as all of this fear in, encompassed them, it, God was doing something different. And in your life, when all the circumstances have gone south, remember, but God is working. So that's where we start this morning. But God. And that means that we can't always see what he's doing. We don't always know he's there. We can't always even sense it. But God is good for his word. And so when we believe that, we can overcome fear. Now, remember, the theme verse of this whole narrative is Genesis fifty twenty. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. And so even when evil does come into our lives, even when people do sin against us, even when we lose people that we love, God means it for good. And that's an incredible truth that can help us overcome fear. Now, remember where we were in the narrative, because we took a break for Advent season. Joseph dreamed a dream, and it had two parts to it. The first part was this idea of a famine that would come. But the second part is the one that began to tear the family apart. He would rule over his brothers. He would rule 
over his family. Now, as he announced this truth, his father, Jacob, named Israel, was incredulous and he chided Joseph. But Moses tells us that he kept the saying in mind. He didn't totally dismiss the possibilities, but his sons did. The brothers totally dismissed any possibility that this could be a good thing. And so they became hateful and jealous. And even worse, Joseph had received this tunic from his father that not only denoted favor, but denoted that he now carried the birthright, even though he was not the oldest son. And so the brothers set out to kill Joseph and kill the dream. And so they took Joseph and they landed him in a pit, finally decided to sell him. And God began this amazing work in the life of Joseph and the family. He ends up in the house of this executioner, the palace guard keeper, Potiphar, and he rules over his household and he learns how to administrate. And after being falsely accused of rape, he goes to prison. And there God used that time to help train him even more until finally God set him where he wanted him to be. And that is second in command of all of Egypt. Because God had a plan that goes far beyond what anybody could see. What anybody could even believe. See, God knew that Israel needed to be saved. And Joseph was going to be his tool to do that. And so as we enter this section of the narrative, we see that the brothers have already been to Egypt once to get food because the famine had come. They didn't know, of course, that the administrator they were talking to was their brother Joseph. And he had said to them, when you come back, bring your brother Benjamin. And then to add on, he put silver in their bags to make them believe that he thought that they had stolen from him. And so when they got back home, these men were terrified. Absolutely terrified, full of fear, because Joseph was manipulating them. He was baiting them. He was driving them to fear. And you know, it's interesting how fear for them would literally, literally starve them to death. Because they had to go to Egypt to get food. So if they, if they allowed fear to win the day, they would starve. But fear so often starves us in our spiritual lives. It starves us of peace. It starves us of joy. It starves us of relationships. And so God is here this morning through his word to explain to us, you can overcome fear. And so that's the journey we're going to be on here today. So let's turn, if you would, in your Bibles to Genesis 43. This is where we pick up the narrative. Genesis 43, beginning in verse 1. And you'll see here that it's page 36 in that Bible in the seat back in front of you. You can also go right to your Ridgewood app. You can just push the, the media section and just follow the prompts until you land on today's date. All the study notes and texts are there for you. And so here's the setting. The brothers had been there once. The food was almost gone. And so this family living in Canaan, just north of Egypt, had a decision to make. Either they would starve or they would go see this man again. They didn't want to go back there. 
The father didn't want to release his youngest son. And so that's the tension that develops here in the narrative. So let's read it through, and then we'll go back and unpack it, beginning in verse 1. Now the famine was severe in the land. And when they had eaten the grain that they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, Go again, buy us a little food. But Judah said to him, "Um, The man solemnly warned us, saying, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. If you will send our brother with us, we will go down and buy you food. But if you will not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. Israel, Jacob said, why did you treat me so badly as to tell the man that you had another brother? And they replied in verse 7, the man questioned us carefully about ourselves. And our kindred, saying, Is your father still alive? Do you have another brother? What we told him was an answer to the question. Could we in any way know that he would say, Bring your brother down? And then in verse 8, And Judas said to Israel his father, Send the boy with me, and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and you and also our little ones. I will be a pledge of his safety. From my hand, you shall require him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. If we had not delayed, we would have now returned twice. In 11, then the father Israel said to them, if it must be so, then do this. Take some of the choice fruits of the land in your bags. Carry a present down to the man. Pacify the man, in quotes. A little balm, a little honey, gum, myrrh, pistachio nuts, and almonds. Take double the money with you. Carry back with you the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was an oversight, he hoped. In 13, take also your brother and arise and go again to the man. May God Almighty grant you mercy before the man. And may he send back your brother the other brother, and Benjamin. And as for me, I am bereaved of my children. I am bereaved. So what an amazing section of the passage. The family dynamics here are so interesting and so real and have probably been experienced by many of us. There's tension, there's fear, there's negotiation going on, and the family is afraid of all kinds of things. And the first thing the family is afraid of, and I think, you know, it's not for any good reason. They're afraid of circumstances. The famine is on. They're starving. And all the circumstances point to trouble. I mean, not only are they starving, but now they have to go down to Egypt and face this fearsome dictator, this administrator who had been harsh with them. And so the circumstances to them looked overwhelming. Joseph had been wise, though. You see, Joseph had believed the dream. He believed that famine was going to come. So he went into Egypt and he stored all of the grain and filled every container possible so that literally in the Near East, the only place that you could buy food was from Joseph. That was it. And so now you have this family that had tried to kill him, had to go to him 
for food. But God had placed them there because God had a plan. And the family had not yet discovered the plan. And so they were reeling in fear. If you look at verse 2, Jacob tells his son to go back to Egypt. And when they had eaten the grain and they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, go buy us a little food. And away they would go. Now, it's really interesting here the way Moses sets up the characters. You have Joseph, who is the one who has the food, who has all of the power, who knows all of the information, so he's not afraid because he's directing and he's manipulating. And then you have Jacob, the father, who was a man still grieving, and he was afraid of losing more. Because his son Benjamin was now at risk. And then you had the brothers who were the intermarries between the two. And they were afraid of just getting killed, period. They were afraid that Joseph was going to kill them. And so you had this family paralyzed by fear. But the real tension and the real struggle is between the father and the son. Between Joseph and Jacob. The father wanted to hold Benjamin tightly. Joseph wanted to see Benjamin. He wanted to reconcile with the family, but he wanted to see Benjamin. So then the tussle begins. And the problem for Jacob is that Joseph would win because he has all the food. And he has all the power. But as we see this narrative play out, we're going to see this tension continue to mount. And the struggle is between these two men. And Jacob, I think, was afraid because he felt totally out of control. He had no power in this. Jacob Jacob could only release his son in faith. But remember that God was doing things behind the scenes. God was implicitly working in this story. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God, he meant it for good. Something was happening here. Yahweh had raised Joseph to the throne because he needed to have him there in order to push his redemptive plan along. It wasn't about the brothers. It wasn't about... Even Joseph. It was about God. It's about God's plan. I I read a tweet this morning from some word of faith teacher. And his take on this whole narrative was, you know, Joseph had this dream. He saw his destiny. God wanted to prosper him. So he walked into his destiny. And I'm going like, no, that's not even the point of the story. (laughs) The point of the story is that God was saving us from our sin. God was going to raise up Messiah, Jesus Christ, to save you and me from our sin. That's what's happening in this narrative. And it's amazing how God is going to move this along and He's going to use the faith of the Father. It's not much faith. But He's going to use the faith of the Father to open up a logjam. Now, part of the reason that we fear so much is because we don't have 
all of the information. So, we see circumstances the way they are, not the way they could be, not the way even God sees them. And so we live in this constant state of anxiety because we think that our circumstances are going to win the day, and we forget the fact that God is doing something completely different. And that kind of faith will open up doors in your life, too. If you go back to the New Testament, there's a really interesting moment when this man named Jairus, who had a 12-year-old daughter that was sick, and Jesus heard some talk about this. He heard Jairus talking about it, and he intervenes. And I want you to see what he said to Jairus in Mark 5.36. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, Do not fear, only believe. Do not fear, only believe. You see, what's happening here, what Jesus is saying is that I have the information. (laughs) I have the power. I have the spiritual food. I can save you. You don't know the whole story. So, don't fear. Just believe. It's a hard thing to do. But this is how we eradicate fear. We believe. Because unbelief is what leads to fear. And this family was paralyzed by it. They were afraid of circumstances. All they could see was was hunger and a fearsome man that wanted to destroy them. And they were deathly afraid. Here's the second thing they were afraid of. They were afraid of Joseph. They were terrified of Joseph. And Joseph was a man to be respected. No wonder they were afraid of him. If you look at verses 3 through 5, we see this fear ring out. But Judas said to him, Judas the son, the man solemnly warned us, saying, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. If you will send our brother with us, we will go down and buy you food. But if you will not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. Well, no wonder Judah's negotiating. The man had looked right at them and said, You better, if you come back here, you better have your brother. Or, and you can fill in the blanks. I mean, already Simeon, the other brother, was in chains in Egypt because he was the ransom for bringing them back. So they were deathly afraid of Joseph. And it's really interesting as we read through this narrative. The change in Joseph is palpable through the narrative. When we started all the way back in 37 through 39, remember, Joseph was this kind of naive, maybe a little bit arrogant boy who didn't know the ways of the world. And then as he began to grow and as, as his fathers tried to kill the, as his brothers tried to kill the dream, in 39 through 41, he becomes this man of integrity. He's not intimidated by Potiphar's wife. He's not intimidated by the, the guards. He's not even intimidated by Pharaoh. He's this man to be admired. But now here in 42 through 44, Joseph is a ruthless governor. And he exploits the power of his office. He's manipulating the family. He's baiting them because he wants to see Benjamin. 
And Moses betrays him as a man that remembers the dream. Joseph is well aware of the dream, but now he's using it to feed his passion for Benjamin, not for the good of the family. And so these men, well, no wonder they're afraid of him. Verse 5 just says it all. You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. And so this is the tension. The father wants to keep Benjamin. The administrator with all the power wants to see Benjamin. Jacob had already lost one son. Another was in chains, threatened to lose another son. Didn't want to let him go. The administrator said, you have to bring him. So what would Jacob do? How would Jacob handle this? Because it would be his decision that would tell us what would happen to the family. Remember, the person that has all the information is Joseph. The brothers didn't know, and the father didn't know that Joseph was God's man for this, even though at this point he wasn't acting in such a way. And so my admonishment, my exhortation, my hope for you is that you will look beyond what you can see. Because you don't have all the information. I hope that you can believe that God is walking with you even when it doesn't seem like He is. It may seem that your boss controls you. That your husband will never love you. It may seem that your child will always be impossible and will always be manipulative or that your finances are always going to cripple you. It may seem that no one will ever marry you. It may seem that you'll never have a true friend. That's how it may seem. But God, God is doing something else. And to walk out and step out in faith is when we begin to understand more about who He is. And in this narrative, Jesus is the one who is going to save us from our sin, but God is also saving the family. He's rescuing Joseph, and He's going to reconcile him. The brothers from their guilt, the father from grief. God has got a plan that encompasses so many people. What I've discovered in my life, even in the darkest of times, I still don't really understand the ripple effect that's happening and how God is working in so many lives all at once because of one event. But that's exactly what's happening here. The family's afraid of circumstances. They're afraid of Joseph. But God is controlling things behind the scenes. Now, here's what Jacob was afraid of. So we know they were afraid of circumstances. They were afraid of Joseph. But Jacob was afraid that he would lose more. This was his big fear. And for those of you who have lost something in your life, for those of you who have lost a child or lost a spouse or lost somebody you really care about, this is a real fear. This is terrifying. And so I, I'm with Jacob on this. When our kids go somewhere or when Mackenzie says, I'm going to drive somewhere, there's an irrational, illogical fear that penetrates my heart and soul. Because I know something bad can happen. And I'm with Jacob. He had to be terrified. His heart had already been 
been almost destroyed by what he'd been through. So Judah then understands this is a big problem because he sees his father and he's going, uh-oh, dad over here is struggling. And so I'm going to try to make a deal here. He said, take also your brother and arise and go again because Judah had given himself as collateral. Now in 14, may God Almighty grant you mercy before the man and may he send back your other brother and Benjamin. He's letting him go. But here's this line. And as for me, if I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. Now, the wording is telling here, go again to the man denotes fear and respect and awe. They don't know this is Joseph. But Jacob's acquiescence to let Benjamin go began to heal everyone. Because now he's stepping out in faith. And I think Jacob wanted to hope. I really do. I think he, he, he wanted to believe that something good would, would come of this. Because remember, he had kept the saying in mind. And he wanted to see Simeon again. He wanted Benjamin to come back. He didn't know that he would one day be reconciled with Joseph. And so he says, I am bereaved. I don't think that's a statement of anger. I think it's a statement of disillusionment. He had seen too much. He had done too much. He had experienced too much of the ruthless world around him. And pessimism and hopelessness had entered his heart and soul. And so part of this story is for Jacob to heal him of his grief, to help him to see a light through the darkness, because this man was struggling And interestingly enough, when he said, yes, go, life began to change for everyone. And as we see the narrative move, we'll see that in an amazing way. But here's the truth of the matter. Faith cuts through fear. And that's what I'm trying to tell you today. Faith cuts through fear. How do we ultimately overcome fear. We trust that God is doing something that we can't see because He's God. And if we are going to trust in our own human instincts, in our, our, our minds and our eyes, and only what we can see, then we are going to be locked in fear and anxiety our entire lives. Because you have to remember, Joseph will one day say these words, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. And we're spiraling toward that point because Jacob now unleashes this. And again, we we have to understand that this story has got massive implications. In just a couple of minutes, we're going to go to the Lord's table and we're going to celebrate Jesus Christ. But that's the point of the story. Here's what had to happen. This little family in Canaan was starving to death. But this little family was Israel. This is Israel. And so God was saying, I've got to get this family down to Egypt. Yes, they're going to go into slavery. Yes, it's not going to be good. But they're going to grow into a mighty nation. And the only way to do that, God must have thought, amongst a million other ways he could have done it, is I'm going to take the son... And I am going to train him how to run that country so that when that famine comes, 
he can invite his family to come and Pharaoh will bring favor upon them. That's the point of the story. So that Jesus Christ could come from Israel as the prophecies indicated and he could die and atone for sin for everyone who believes in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's the point of the story. And so we can celebrate that. We can celebrate the fact that God loved us so much, even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But this is the pathway. This is how God decided to do it. This is what's breaking free now through the faith of this man. And here's, here's the thing. You know, if you're struggling in your faith, then, then faith is a gift, so ask for it. It truly is a gift. We had a great weekend at, at a board retreat. So, as a board, we went to uh, a couple of different places, and we sat at the feet of a, a board expert, and we, we listened and we grappled with how to be better leaders, and we learned so much. And, by the way, I just got to tell you that your, your board is a group of godly people that really care about you and love you and are praying and are learning and are really trying to step into the will of God to lead you well. And so please pray for them. They have a hard job. But as we were talking, and we were talking about what God has for Ridgewood, I began to just grapple with, this is going to take a lot of faith. Because what God is asking us to do is not ordinary. What God is asking us to do is going to take extraordinary faith. And so when I think of when I think of making Jesus known through community impact and I think of forming these community groups, I don't know if you know this, it's hard to form community groups in a church, but we've got 13 formed and we're going to hope to form 25 this year. That takes faith. We want to connect to our community through missional activities. We want to we want to reach people through compassion ministries. We want people to come to know Christ. That takes faith. A lady came up to me this morning right before I walked in here. Remember that lady you met last week? Yeah? She accepted Jesus the same day. That's what we want. We want that flood to happen. That's worth celebrating. But it takes faith. If we want to build a ministry for those with disabled with disabilities, it seems impossible because it's hard. But we can through faith. And if we want to multiply as a church and develop leaders and maybe start other churches, that's going to take faith. But here's the point. If we ask for faith, then God will provide it for us because it is a gift. And this family here is living off the faith of a father who is very unsure. And they have been crippled by fear. But what I want you to know is that there's someone named Jesus, that is waiting for you to ask him for faith. Here's what he said in 1 John 5, 5. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So this morning, I'm not only calling you to faith, I'm calling you to believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. I'm calling you to give yourself fully to Jesus. What are the areas in your life where you know that you are hanging on and you're struggling and, and, and it's full of darkness and doubt and fear? Can you give those to Jesus? Can you, say, can you say, 
you know what? I don't even know how I'm going to do this. But yes, Jesus, I'm saying yes to you. You see, God is working in the lives of all of these characters in this drama because they all need help, like we all need help. Joseph, he desperately needed to be reunited and reconciled with his family. Jacob is the grieving father who desperately needs to see light in his darkness. The brothers need to be relieved of unfathomable guilt. And because of God's grace and because of the faith of Jacob, these things would come true. They would begin to happen. And they can happen in your life too. And so as you take the Lord's Supper this morning, will you please think about the gift that has been given you in Jesus Christ and the narrative that we're studying that is paving the way for Jesus to come into the world and save the world. And will you please be thinking about the things that you can give to Him, even if, listen, you don't even have to have the right words. The Holy Spirit has promised us that He will pray for us, even if we can't even spit the words out or understand. But if you know there's something, then just say, Jesus, help me. And you can be free. You can overcome fear.